one thing I wanted to say, uh, also I wanted to say, uh, this house has been privileged to send uh, four ministries out to start churches. This was the first one. This was the first one that went out from us and uh, we uh, are humbled by what God has done. We're humbled what he has done. Thank you. Bless your soul. Um, before I began, I, I got talking to Chuck at dinner tonight and I said, uh, you know, I, I haven't been here since you added onto the building. And we were talking, and I realized it's been over five years. So time flies when you're having fun, you know. Um, but uh, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And uh, um, good place, good place to just fill it up. Amen. Amen. I, got a, I got a couple things I, I would like to begin with is... Uh, how many, uh, how many veterans we got in here tonight? Could I have all the veterans stand, please? <laughs> um, I, I'm always thankful for those who are willing to serve and uh, I thought about this because this is your 70th anniversary, and that takes you back to 1946. And I began to realize in 1946, I was eight years old. <clears throat> and uh, at this time of year in 1946, my father was on the USS Barry in the South China Sea. Uh, two months ago, or two months before, they had dropped the uh, atomic bomb first on Hiroshima, then on Nagasaki on April, or August 6th and August 9th, and the Japanese were still warring. They were still fighting. And because of the ship my father was on, he was uh, still an integral part because he was on a DE, which was a, a smaller ship that could fight those that didn't want to surrender, and they still were in the constant battle. To this day, I have in my safe a, uh, an, a Nambao gun, a uh, handgun that was taken off of a Japanese officer who refused to give up his, his fight. And uh, I, I, I think about all of those days, and I'm thankful that we've been kept. God has kept us in this nation. He has kept us. He has kept us from... If we realize it, when they attack the buildings, that's the first major attack we've had by a foreign entity and, and, uh, since back in the American-Mexican Wars. And so I just want to thank all you guys for serving. And, uh, and it's, it's, I'm proud to say, uh, you know, they always tease me when I was in, you know, that, that I, with the uniform I had, you could have drove a bus. But... Uh, that was all right. I got in after the Korean War, and, and, and out of the midst of all of that service, the greatest thing that ever happened in my life, besides Jesus. Come on, ladies, stand up.
And uh, she's she's been willing to stick it out 58 years with me. So there's uh, something working. It must have worked. There's 18 grandkids. We're working on great grandchildren. And uh, and uh, if <laughs> well, you can't. You know what I heard this story one time was the fact is if I knew that. It was so great having grandkids, I'd just skip the kid part. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, I, I'm proud of my children. And, and I got to say something about my youngest son. He's sitting back there with his pretty. And uh, I didn't know he was coming. They, I'm, I'm on the phone in yesterday morning, and I'm... Um, Fran and I are singing happy birthday to him, and he's at work, right? And he's not giving us a hint that he's coming up here. You know, I'm not supposed to know nothing like, duh. And anyway, so but but he's here, and uh, and I'm 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 glad he showed up. And the reason I think he showed up is because this. It's all part of my connection with our connection with Grace Emmanuel. But Stephen said. I never got to ever celebrate a birthday. We were always in conference. <laughs> Every November 10th, we were at Grace Emanuel in conference. And so I never got to ce celebrate a birthday. So he's, he's getting even. He said, I came here to celebrate my birthday. So anyway, <laughs> he's here. Praise God. I look over the house, you know. I recognize a lot of faces uh, because you you get my age. Sometimes you forget things, and uh, and 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 I look around all the folks and all the babies that I used to see are not babies anymore. They got babies, and uh, things have really really uh, moved along in life. And good to see Charles Wilner. I haven't seen him in many years. It's uh, it's great to see him again. Thank you, Lord, and thank you for the group that drove all the way, took a 13-hour drive just to come to be part of this conference from our congregation in Massachusetts. So it's good to have you, Chris and Amy and, and your family. Praise God. I, uh, uh, other, other thing, I want to talk about a little bit of our history with Grace Emanuel. Is that all right? Um, we were, we were just trying to be good Nazarenes serving God. And um, uh, Sister Fran, she, she got taken to this one lady that was in our, our church. And uh, I'd known the family. I grew up near the family uh, as a kid. And I kept saying to her, stay away from that lady. They're crazy. I've known that whole family all my life. You know, they're just kind of, mm -hmm. and and But no, she was, she was taken up with this one lady and uh, then all of a sudden the denomination decided to move our pastor out of our church we were in revival I'm going to tell you in the early 60s it wasn't just a charismatic movement there was revival in a lot of places and we were in revival uh, I'd come back to the Lord I'd been away from serving the Lord from the time I was a teenager I got saved when I was 12. And 
Then uh, I found out something. Beer, fast cars, and pretty girls. I was no different than anybody else. But uh, God gave me the pretty lady. And uh, we came back, and she was trying to be a good Catholic. And so she said, I, I, I got I to go to church. You know, we're, we got these kids, and uh, I got to go to church. And I said, well, we'll ma I'll make a deal with you. We'll go to early mass. We'll go, to, we'll go to an early mass with you, and then we'll go to the Nazarene church with my mom and my stepdad at 11 o'clock. That lasted about three weeks, and they had an altar call, and that was the end of it. It was, it was uh, we were well on our way. But a year and a half later, uh, our pastor left. They moved him from Port Huron to Plymouth, Michigan. And uh, we are kind of like... Uh, fish out of water, you know, didn't know what to do, and, and Fran's got this friend in the church, and she's always talking to her about this guy in this home Bible study, and it, that was sometime in the early part of 1964, then she got pregnant for Stephen, and about that time I had a dream, now, you guys that come from my church, you heard me tell this story, so don't, don't ad lib or put any more into it, okay? But I, but I had this dream. You know, you're a Nazarene, you're not supposed to have, know anything about the Holy Ghost, right? You're not supposed to know about tongues and prophecy and dreams and, and, and visions and all that stuff, but I had this dream. And in this dream, I went to this, I went with these people I didn't know. We, Fran and I went with these people we didn't know, and we went to this house. And it was this big old Victorian house. It was a gigantic big old Victorian house and uh, had this big porch out front. And when you went up the stairs, in the front of it, the door was over here to the left. And when we went into the door, there was a stairwell kind of spiral like that that went upstairs and there was this little foyer there. And when I, in my dream, I looked through the archway into the next room and there were people in there and there was this big 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 guy we all know him now as as is is one of the founding fathers almost of the church but what got me was there was this guy and he was kind of white hair you know and he was you could tell he's a pretty good sized guy and he was setting behind a card table on a chair. And he had the biggest Bible I ever saw. That was all in my dream. I don't know how long it was, probably a couple months, two, three months. I know it was sometime in the summer of 1964 we ended up going with this crazy lady I didn't want my wife to hang around with. And we ended up at this house, this big Victorian house. When we pulled up in front, we didn't drive. We rode with them. And when we pulled up in front, I, my dream all came back to me. There's that house. And I walked. Oh, I, I forgot part of the dream. In the foyer were all these Indians from Canada. 
Now, how I knew they were Indian, don't ask me. But they were, they were, they they were all these Indians. They got to be good friends of ours. When we went in the front door, guess who was sitting in the foyer? Was all these Indians. Then this great big guy, with a smile on his face, who we got to know as Brother Peterson, was standing there in the archway. Same guy was in my dream. And then there was this guy with the white hair, the gigantic Bible, sitting behind a card table, and there he sat. And I thought, oh my God, what is going on here? And then all of a sudden they started to sing. Well, have you, anybody ever gone to Nazarene church? You were lucky if you had more than a piano and maybe you had a piano and an organ or whatever, but you'd be very fortunate. If, and we always got the hymn book out, and we sang all the hymn books. But these people started singing choruses, and then they started going, Ooh! And I was ready to run. But then the man with the big, thick Bible, began to talk. And I thought, oh, my God. That's the first preacher I ever met that really, really knew what he was talking about. And we weren't much into saying, well, the Lord said, or the Lord told us, or we really didn't know that. But I remember... Friend and I began to compare notes, and we had exa exactly the same thing. This is the way. Walk in it. And I, any of you that were old enough and really remember Brother Sexton was really strong on water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. We learned later on about circumcision and all that other stuff that had to go on. But I remember we were bound and determined we needed to get baptized. But Sister Fran was like this with Stephen. And Brother Sexton said, no, you need to wait till after the baby's born. You need to wait till after the baby's born. Today, today's what, the 11th, isn't it? 11th, okay. Well, just about a month from today, 1964, December the 9th, 1964, we drove to Grace Emanuel. I saw Grace Emanuel for the very first time. And we went there to get water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And nothing has been the same since. Not a thing. I remember clearly, Danny. You know, I, I, I mean, Brother Sexton was really strong in that, but, but I didn't know that much. I didn't know anything, and all I wanted to do was talk in tongues. Are you all listening? Because we, get, we hear things. Sometimes we're taught things. Some, sometimes we're taught things that aren't so. Sometimes we're taught things that are. 
But I knew God had made a drastic change in my life because I went from reading the Bible to when I would open the Bible, the words were like 3D. They would jump up at you. They would, they would begin to impress in your life. They begin to, to dig in you. They begin to cause you to search and seek and go, in, go into places and areas that you never heard. And, 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 I, and I thought, oh, my God, something's really changed. Something's really changed. What really changed was me. But I thought, um, um, Rodney's, Rodney's got a, his son Josh has a friend from Lakeland. His name is Jeremiah Johnson. And the name of his ministry is Behold the Man. And as I was getting ready for this time tonight with you folks, the Lord said to me, Jeremiah's got the right name because it's all about the man. Because if the man had never showed up, there'd have never been anything called Grace Emmanuel. If the vision hadn't been in the man and the man hadn't been hungry to see more of God, you wouldn't be here. Behold the man. And I think about all the times that we spent. I, I think of the later years when we no longer went to the Groves or to Mom Ward's to our Tuesday night Bible studies in Port Huron, but Brother Sexton came to our house on one Tuesday, went to Danny's house on the other Tuesday. And we did that for years, and it wasn't like being in church and getting to know the pastor. You got to know the individual. You were there with them. You were, he found more card tables. But the big Bible was always there. No matter where he went, it was there. And you say, well, you're talking about a man, but I want to tell you what, if Jesus had never become a man, how would you ever know what he was like? For no man has seen God at any time. But until you see him as, not as he was, we saw him as he was, but God is interested in us seeing him as he is. And as he is is far more important in our lives. It, it's, as he, it, it's not as he was that transforms us. It's as he is that transforms us. It changes us. It makes transformation in us. Jesus said it this way himself in John 5, I believe it is, in 32. He said, he said, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have life, but you won't come to me. And my concern tonight is, beloved, is do we see him as he is? Have we moved into the dimensions as, as he is? I, 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 I just, my, my whole thought is in this hour that we've been given the greatest thing. We've always had kind of um, a futuristic mentality when it comes to eschatology in the church. But I want to tell you what, God don't work in the future. And he isn't in the past. It's even built in his name. All you've got to do is 
read in, in Exodus in chapter 6 where he said, I am that I am that I am. But when you begin to look at that out and see how that stuck out, he said, I was, I am, and I'll become whatever I want to become. Because I am God. I, I think of all the stuff that we've looked at in the past that said to us, oh, we got to die and go to heaven to meet God. Well, i got a question for you. Is God in heaven or is heaven in God? You tell me what's the biggest. The scripture says nothing can contain him. But he lowered himself. He humbled himself. He poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost and began to come into the lives of us as individuals that we might grow up in him. That we might be more like him. That we become the corporate man. The corporate son. I go through some of these. I, I, I think about this brother Charles. You know, you and I are a little older and we remember way back some of the ministries. If I, I bet you if I went through half of this generation in here, this younger generation, I started talking about Bill Britton's message of the sons of God, none of you would know what I'm talking about. And the reason is it was a viable word. It was a living word. God is after a corporate son. Jesus is not going to come back and fix it. He did that at Calvary. He fixed it. It's already done. It's all over with. But it's up to us to grow up and begin to produce the reality. For the whole creation grows and travails for the manifestation of the sons of the living God. He's just not asking for sons. He's asking for sons that manifest the nature of the son. The living son. The corporate son. And I'm concerned. I'm concerned not only for you, but I'm concerned for me, Brother Chuck. I'm concerned that, that we sometimes get too interested in building the church instead of building up the church begin to bring it into the reality of what God wants. we always putting it off to another day. I hear this all the time. Uh, oh, well, it's getting bad, so it must be the end days. Well, yesterday, there's the end of that. Today, there'll be an end of that. So those got to be end days. They keep ending. Yeah, and, and, and I've heard some very great teachings. From Pentecost till now has really been the end days. That is, that is just not something that I picked out. I was so smart to, smart to figure it out. I stole that from Mark Hanby. How's that? I'm just telling you, beloved, that God has given us all things that pertain unto life and God-likeness. 
His name is the Holy Ghost that lives inside of you. It is the corporate Christ. It is the living one. And until we begin to really listen to the voice of God and obey the voice of God and desire the voice of God that dwells within us, we just are playing another religion. We're more interested in how well we live, whether we got two cars in the garage and they're paid for, And, and you say, why do you say that? Well, I, I, I just have to tell you, for those that don't know me, I'm kind of a car guy. I look at a car and I think, God, I'd love to drive that today. I'm the kind of guy that if I had a, had a garage, I'd have to have stalls for about 100 cars. And every day I'd just like to drive a different one. It's just one of them things. But I want to tell you what, in God's economy, they don't mean zip. He don't care if you got a new one, an old one, a fast one, or a slow one. The only thing he does is he blesses us with stuff so that we might be able to serve him better and easier. I don't want to go back to the good old days. I'm 78 years old. I remember when my dad had a 37 Chevy. And every 50,000 miles you had to rebuild the motor. You want to go back to the good old days? I don't want to go back to the good old days. There was nothing all that good. They were just good enough to keep us alive till we come to today. Because the greatest thing you got going for you today is the fact that you're still here and God has still given you an opportunity to move into the fullness of who He is. I was going to share with you out of Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Because Paul said, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. I want to tell you what. We in the church have tried to get along with everybody. That isn't what that scripture means. Until there's a oneness in the Spirit between you and the God that lives inside of you, you'll never know what it is to have unity. You can't get along with somebody with a different opinion until you and that other person get one with God and one with His Spirit and one with what He's trying to do and what He's trying to say. What's He trying to say? I want to tell you what. We got what it takes. It's just up to us. How are we going to do it? We look around us and we say, oh, that's impossible. Well, Scripture still says greater is he that's in you. Are you all right? I'm not trying to get after anybody. I'm trying to challenge you to begin to realize that the Holy Ghost that lives inside of you is able to do that which it was sent to do. And that was what it was sent to do was finish the work. Jesus ain't going to come back with no, no, no magic wand. And for you, those of you who are uh, old enough to remember this, he ain't like Froggy. He's not going to twip you with his magic wand and change you. 
He's already given you the Holy Ghost. He's already given you what it takes to change you. I've been sharing with our congregation out of Galatians chapter 5. He said, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, what is walking in the Spirit? Walking in the Spirit is going where the Spirit tells you to go. What He tells you to do. God's not upset with your jobs and your houses and your families and your cars and all that, but He just wants to show you how to do it better. Do it God's way. Finish it the way God wants it. I'm going to say something more about Brother Sexton. Brother Sexton always was telling us someday. Nothing wrong with that. But what if I told you today's the day? Jesus said this. Let's put this in the time frame, okay? I'm the Alpha, and I'm the Omega. When you get in time, the beginning with him, you're also in the end with him. And when you get to the end, you're back at the beginning. You say, oh, I can't understand that. No, that's your carnal mind, your fleshly mind, trying to figure out the eternities in God. He wants to take us in the realms of the Spirit. I begin to make a list, Chuck about all of these things, about walking in the Spirit and doing in the Spirit. And you know what? There's no limits to the Spirit. Jesus said this in John 9, John 3, 9. He was talking about Nicodemus. He said, nobody's ascended up into heaven, but he that's come down out of heaven, even he who is in heaven, and he was standing there with two feet planted on the ground. What is heaven? It's not a place. It's a state of being in God. It's a reality in God. It's a place where God wants to take us, where we can live in that dimension of the heavenlies. Am I too hard? I'm just telling you. If we ever got to hold some of these things in the beginning, we begin to realize that we would be a whole lot further into the knowledge of God. About uh, 10 years ago, as a, I, I'm, I'm one of these study guys, you know. I did it until I got a computer. That was a godsend. I don't have to put... 30 books on the floor anymore and, and go around and try to do all that digging anymore because everybody, somebody else has done it easier for me. That's all. It just makes it easier and quicker. But, I, but, I, but I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking if we'd have known some of these things, we'd have done better. We'd have been further along because God has given us all things. I got one question to ask every individual in this room. What more do you need than the Holy Ghost?
You tell me what's greater than God. You tell me what you can get from God that's greater than his person. You tell me where God can take you that'll give you more than what he experiences in you himself. So let me get back to my story. About 10 years ago, I was up in a study and I was praying and studying and all of a sudden, the Lord began to talk to me about Enoch. Seventh from Adam. Jesus hadn't come yet. All right? Jesus hadn't come yet. So he hadn't paid the ultimate sacrifice as yet. The law wasn't as yet. There was no sacrifice for sin as yet. Are you all listening? Enoch didn't have no church to go to. Now, don't read that into the fact that you can start skipping church because that damnable doctrine is out there. And Enoch didn't have it easy, you know. I mean, everything he went to do, he had to do twice as hard as it is. It was the good old days, you know. He, if, he, if he wanted a coffee and a biscuit, he just didn't get in the car and drive down to McDonald's. The Bible says that Enoch walked with God. I remember reading that scripture over and over again, Chuck, and I used to think, oh yeah, God had come up alongside Enoch and he'd just walk with him and, and they'd just have this great conversation and everything was just wonderful. That wasn't the way it is. God got inside of him. He got inside of him and Enoch began to listen to the voice of God. And they began to walk together in unity, in oneness, in wholeness. He began to walk in the Spirit, in the fullness of the Spirit, to the point, Clark, until he was not. And I hear the voice of God saying, uh, Rodney, we got to begin to walk in the Spirit until we are no longer what we are, but until we become what His purpose is for even raising humanity and mankind. If God wanted what He had, He could make it out of dogs or donkeys or monkeys or whatever, but He picked man and gave man the opportunity to choose to decide what He wants in His life. Walk in the Spirit. But most of us are kind of Pentecostal, you know. We all want a quick fix. Oh, won't you pray for me? Lay hands on me. Lay hands on yourself. Speak truth into the innermost. <coughs> Begin to walk in the things that God wants you to do. 
don't know about you. I've been pastoring too long. I'll tell you. I'm tired of people leaning on me. Pastor, pray for me. Pray for yourself. You got the same Holy Ghost I got. Isn't it about time, folks, that we begin to grow up in the Spirit? Begin to get the unity of the Spirit instead of being so scattered and divided. Begin to be fully one with God, walking with God, living in Him until every word we speak is the voice of the Almighty. I'm going to quote my favorite scripture again. The whole creation. The whole creation. Everything God made is in birth pains and travail for the sons of God to manifest. Not just show up. Maybe this will blow you away. You're already here. It's time to manifest. It's time to release the fullness of who he is inside of us. Let the self of us begin to die until the life of God is what begins to pour out of you and I. I love you, but you got inside of you what it takes. It's just up to you to decide whether you're going to let God. Hey, right now I want to sing you something. Let God be God. Huh? Our old song we used to sing, Let God be God. That's what you need to do. You need to go home, get your mirror, look in there and say, Let God be God. Because he doesn't want to be God out there and stop all that junk. He wants to be God in here and stop all this junk. I love him. Sorry I'm so hard on you. But you know something? The truth hurts. But it'll fix you. It'll fix you. And the truth is, God in you is greater than the devil that like to get in you. Because most, for most Christians, the devil's not their problem. They really like to have a devil so they can blame him. But most of it is their flesh, just their flesh. Gets in the way. Father, I pray for this church. I pray for this family of God. And Father, I, I, I pray, God, that the heritage of this house and the purpose of the heritage that's in this house, God, become a present reality. That, Father, these generations will begin to take up the call, the call, the call of God 
that you ever started this house for. Lord, we know that you still want it still here for 70 years. But God, we just ask you, let's see great transformation. Let's see great transformation in the lives of each and every one that's here, Father. And Father, for all of the visitors and those that have come into this house, may they leave here tonight, Father, with a new challenge in their hearts and a new cry that says, God, I want to be just like you. Just like you. Just like you. Till we all come, Lord. Till we all arrive, God, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of the Christ. That we no longer, Lord, be like little children tossed to and fro. But God, we'll measure up to your gifting and callings. In our lives we pray. And everyone said what? Amen. Say what? Amen. Amen, God. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name. Blessed be his name. Do not walk with God until he was not. Until he was not. Paul picks that up and says, it's no longer I that live, but Christ. Trying to get a picture here someplace? What does he want? Not just us in God, but God in us. But Adele didn't know this, but one of the things I've been saying lately is that to speak to your situation, the Word of God. Speak to that mentality that's ungodly and say mentality you conform to the very word of God. Situation, you submit to the word of God. It is written. Too often we accept things as our norm that are not godly. Well, that's just the way I am. That's not the way God desires you to be. What are you going to accept? Whose word are you going to believe? The world's or his? Walk with God until you are not. Can you hear him? I love that. He walked with God until he was not. God, help us to walk with you until we're not. Till we're not. No longer I that live, but Christ. Every breath we take, 
of this song we sing. Be magnified. Be glorified. Be exalted. Let's stand, please. Are we going to have service tonight or tomorrow? Because the preacher's here. <laughs> Brother Steve came, just came in from the Dominican Republic. And glad to have, uh, want to thank Brother Todd and Sister Carrie for picking him up. And I also want to thank him for coming in a day earlier than he thought he was going to be able to be here. He rearranged things to get here. Appreciate that. I appreciate all you being with us tonight. Trust that most of you can be here tomorrow as we continue to be not and be like him, being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Is that your heart's desire? And see, the thing is that only thing that's stopping you from doing that is a mentality that says that's too hard but is there anything too hard for the Christ that's in you well is there nothing is too hard for him Father we just bless you my God we thank you for this word seal it to our hearts almighty one let your name truly be exalted in and through us. Lord, let us come to the reality, my God, that wherever we go, you, have, you go. For you're within us. Every situation you face, my God, or we face, my God, you have faced before. And you have been victorious. And because you're within us, we are victorious. Greater is he that's within us than he that's within the world. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Let us walk in that victory, my God. Let us walk in that overcoming. Let us walk in the maturity of Christ and be conformed, be exhibiting, my God, your very presence in the earth. We are the answer for all that creation is groaning for. And so, Lord, truly, we just bless this precious people with your word, with your stirring of the Holy Spirit, and we give you honor and glory, for you are worthy. In the holy and matchless name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Can you say amen? Amen. See you at 1030 tomorrow morning. Lord bless you all.